Welcome back to The Drop, the stab podcast where we break down a week's worth of surf news. I am your pilot, Big Dick Power Surfer. My normal co-host, Mikey, is... He's not here. He did something. His face, there's something with his face. He couldn't breathe out of his face, and so he had to get his face fixed. We'll talk about it next week. Anyway, I'm going to instead be speaking with Stace Galbraith, who often does the Cusp podcast, Mikey. Uh, Stace is currently at the Quicksilver Festival, kind of Jeremy Flores invitational event in Southwest France. We spent a lot of time talking about that because, in my opinion, it's one of the coolest things. It is probably the coolest thing happening in surfing this week. So we spend a bit of time on that, and then we get into How Surfers Get Paid, episode two. We break down a few stab stories, including how Kip Caddy got KO'd and tore his hamstring paddling an outer reef balmy. Could you surf on the QS while getting a PhD? Who makes the best surfboards in 2023? And then we get into some Ribera Dilyash preview, a challenger series. And of course there's a surf sin. There's always a surf sin. So it's a fun episode. Uh, I love Stace. Let's, let's talk to him. All right, here we are. Stace, you are my favorite person on the internet right now. Oh, Brendan Buckley. How does that make you feel? That's a huge accolade. And I'm, I'm okay to take it actually. Um, don't really like um, positive feedback that well. I'm a bit more of a mongrel dog. I've, I've responded better to negative feedback. So if you've got any of that, yeah, fire away. Um, no, not much. I mean, I've been, I've just been fucking loving Baguette TV. It looks, it just makes it look like it's the funnest time ever. It just looks like the funnest time ever. And I could tell you're having fun. I could tell uh, voice is a little bit froggy. I guess if you want some negative feedback, and who am I to talk right now? Okay, okay, but. Uh, Tell us, tell us what it's like on the ground at Quicksilver Festival, the first of hopefully many. Yeah, look, it, it's actually been insane. Uh, and for a lot of us, we actually only booked or had our tickets booked a week ago. Um, uh, myself, Tom Cole, and uh, EJ, who you all know from Quicksilver, we were all coming like months ago to do, um, maybe not months ago, but like the idea was always to do like jungle TV was something we had fun doing and people seemed to like it. So we're like, Oh, well we could do a French version. The French were really keen. Like the regional team here was super behind it. So they were stoked to have us. And then with the most of the athletes, like just with people's different schedules and things like that crew, like Mikey Wright, Noah Dean, Mason Ho, they actually only confirmed like a week ago, uh, which I guess it all just kind of came together at the end. Like a lot of good guys and girls were already locked in, but having, a few extras on top at the last minute have just made this week like so fun. And then the waves, it's the best three days of waves I've seen all year. It's been insane. This place is off its head. This shit from yesterday. I haven't really like seen too much from today yet, but yesterday just looked maxed out, which is like there was that day at super tubos where Callum got that wave that it like almost wouldn't be fun to surf. No, it wouldn't be fun to surf. Like you borderline wouldn't paddle out unless somebody was like, Hey, you're a CT surfer. Here's a Jersey. Go do your job. Um, it looked almost on that level of just like, Whoa, the ocean is doing fucked up, scary things. And people just had to go try to figure it out. And I think the entertainment you get from that, just even seeing just back at TV has been, I don't know. Maybe I have more context after having lived there for a while, like understanding what it's, what it's like to even try on those days but uh yesterday looked like just a fucked up day of surfing i'm not taking anything away from anyone on the tour like because it's a different product to, to what is going down here but like they call that off 10 times out of 10 if that's 
Like if with the forecast that we've got and days in the waiting period and how good it's been, like you don't need to run that day. Jeremy asked all the surfers, like on the sand, Noah Dean, Sierra Kerr, I can't remember who else was in that heat, but they were on the shore about to paddle out and it just kicked like another two feet. Like it was already eight to 10 and then it went 10 to 12. And it was like, it was an issue of safety, you know, like Mickey Picon has been, and his team have been doing like an incredible job, like managing the tides and the winds and getting the best out of it. But it was a question of safety, right? Like, okay, are these crew ready to go? And are they ready to handle themselves? Like, have they got the boards, the leashes? It was a unanimous yes. Let's keep this thing rolling. Everyone's having a good time. Beach was packed, sun was shining and they just kept it rolling. And yeah, you're right. Like it is pretty pure, just like entertainment factor. I don't think there was many huge scores yesterday afternoon, but the like the value that you got and the experiences for some of the crew like Sierra Kerr and Maud Lacar, who paddled out, paddled into their own waves. Man, like Sierra Kerr, she is seriously, seriously gifted. Like she has been on fire. Seeing you with her parents after she came in was just like, I don't know, there's something, it's hard to resist like the WSL comparison here. Like how does this stack up against the WSL event? Like the talent is there. I mean, it's, you got world champions, you have guys like Noah Dean and Mikey, like Sierra, like you have talent, you have some of the most talented surfers in the world, flat out, like that's, that's so okay, so we have the talent, and then just seeing like, and again, I'm just seeing it from afar, which I hate myself for, but uh, shout out to my friends for getting married, <laughs> um, seeing it all, like, it just seems like it feels a bit more like where surfing actually came from, like where a surf event was before somebody was like, Hey, I'm going to try to make a business out of it and like really go crazy with it. It almost seems like, like in that scenario where, Hey, Ziff pulls out of the WSL and like people have to figure it out. I feel like it would kind of go closer to that than what it is now. And yeah, people probably aren't going to make as much money and shit like that. But like, it feels way more true to surfing to me. Like you just see people there. It just feels way stripped back. And like, it's just only surfers could appreciate it. It's not trying to be anything that's not, I don't know. There's something that just felt very like, okay, this could have been an event in like the nineties. And I mean, it doesn't have a webcast so maybe that's it too. But um, I don't know if the webcast would really fuck. Like, I don't think, I don't know if a webcast makes or breaks it though. Like, yeah, it would be cool. I'd definitely watch it if it existed, but I, don't, I think just getting like the behind the scenes, if you get the action and you get like the vibe, what it's like in the tent, which is what you're seeing already is like, that's enough for me. I don't know. I don't need to watch for eight hours. It'd be cool if you could, but like, I don't need that, I guess. Yeah. I actually, getting back to the WSL comparison, I think it's it's fair. It's the, the WSL is the biggest product we have to consume surfing at the moment, or professional surfing. And, and I think what this event has showcased, you know, I've been lucky enough to work on both sides of these things and, WSL provide an amazing product because when you don't have it, you look at this and you go, well, I wish we had that. But to put the boot on the other foot, it's like a day at Pipeline, a day at Le Gravier or Le Canoe where we were for the last couple of days or any of these waves around the world that have those like twos or tens moments. Like in all honesty, there's probably six to eight waves in the day that are like really, really sit you back in your chair and go, wow. And I feel like with this event, with the local staff on hand here, being able to capture that, yeah, it'd be nice to sit on the couch all day and watch surfing. I can tell you pretty clearly right now, if there wasn't that many Carlsbergs getting around, a few of those heats would have been pretty slow to watch. So I think like when you don't have something, you're going to want it. And then when you've got it, you're probably going to complain about it. 
it's just you're never really going to win. Well, like I've had heaps of like Parkos telling me today, like this bullshit, where can I watch it? Kyle Walsh, who's in the comp, he's like, hey, there really needs to be a webcast for this thing. But then you've got other crew like Noah and Mason and, um, you know, I don't know, like other people who are, you can tell they're more comfortable that there's not a webcast and like I'm kind of the only hot mic around that they can, you know, might need to chuck a media head on for every, every other like conversation off mic is just everyone's having a great time the general sentiment is with the people that you don't see all the time for their beliefs with competitive surfing they would do more of these events if they were like that so like you said the moment you try to take it over and put it into something bigger it loses that edge so yeah it's it's been amazing to watch unfold like these grassroots events they've got such a big place in surfing and they don't need to be any bigger, which is the general comment. Like, Oh, how is there not a webcast? Like there should be more money. I don't know if you, anyone's been paying attention to the news, but like these brands in the board writers group are going through an acquisition right now that people are getting laid off left, right and center. Like there's really not, it's not so much a budget restraint. It's a resources restraint. Like, Running a webcast is a big deal. And um, I think we have the WSL to thank for an amazing product there. I'm not just trying to get myself a job. Like, we all love watching that webcast, whether you hate it or love it. We all tune in. Well, maybe you might push back on this, but one of the things I dislike most about the WSL webcast is sometimes I feel like because people have to talk for like 10 hours in a day, right? And I feel like you also have to talk about a 4.71 that somebody got and fill a five minute span until somebody gets the next wave with like kind of conversation. And sometimes like the thing that I think pisses me off the most about the WSL webcast is sometimes I feel like people say shit that just is flat out untrue. They're just being like, look at the way his fingers are placed there. Look, and they'll like circle on the screen, like his hand, look, it's bending up and he's looking at the lip. And it's like, of course he's fucking looking at the lip. Do I think, am I supposed to think he's looking somewhere else? Like, I hate when they try to break down technique in a way where I'm like, I've never heard anybody ever say this. And fuck saying, look at where he's looking. Yeah, of course they're looking at the lip. They're surfing a fucking wave. I get that they're looking at the lip. They just did an air over it. Like, fuck you. Um, and so if I'm given the choice to either have to sit there for eight hours and get some crazy moments, but also get somebody just literally bullshit, just stop it. Don't do that. Talk about QAnon conspiracies instead and I'll be happier. Um, literally get Conan Hayes on there and fucking do it. I don't care. But if I have the choice to either spend eight hours watching that or just see, wake up in the morning and see like a five minute highlight reel of the best action plus the thing that makes me kind of feel like I'm there, like just like, and I'm friends with everybody or just like in the tent hanging out. I don't know. I would choose that 10 times out of 10. That's just a better, it's a better experience for me. So anyway, you're doing great, Stace. Like I said, you're my favorite person on the internet. We have a big week. We have to talk about some stories uh we went kind of long here which i like it's uh it's just it's good and i'm mad that i'm not there and i love you let's talk about the news how servers get paid season two episode two sam and i talked about this two weeks ago we were hyping this thing coming and it is finally here it dropped on monday our subhead here is loyalty and the royalty of the performance surfboard we talk about surfboards this is pretty much a deep dive into how the surf industry works in a way. Surfboards are fucking hilarious. They are the only thing that we need to actually do what we do. You could literally just 
be naked and if you have a surfboard you could you could participate um we don't need literally anything else and it is just this kind of weird terrain where there's not much money in it there's strangely there's so much nuance to it and this just gets into all this nuance in a wonderful way you get all sorts of stories i think my favorite and i think this one maybe hit ig already so if you don't have premium because you're poor you can at least watch it is a story about Jordy Smith getting Pizels. Uh, Pizels said, no, you surf against somebody who does a lot for my business. I don't want to give you a board that might help you beat him. And Jordy finds a way to get on Pizels, and Pizels recognizes There's this weird, it shows you just how small it really is, that world, and how fucking clued in people are. And it's an incredible episode. You got to get there. On that, and I, I really respect Pizel and John's relationship, like that is so pure. You can't debate that. I would like to know though, like, was that decision made before or after Pizel sponsored Jack Freestone? Ooh, whoa, you're getting into the stony, are you? Well, he hasn't always been a one shape of guy. And that I'm not saying that's a good or a bad thing, but I do wonder, like, at some point when your businesses are growing, like his was at that time, Jack being an Australian athlete, you need a, someone like that to, and why wouldn't you at the time? So I do wonder, like, it is hard, like, and again, I got so much respect for that relationship because Pizel would be getting hit up left, right, and center. And so, like, for him to be able to have that relationship with John and back the other way from from John John, like, that's, you know, that's so well done. Because, like, DH alludes to it. It's a, it's a hard thing to manage a team. Um, you know, these top-tier athletes, they want to feel special. They want to feel like they're getting something that no one else has. Uh, and when you are Ethan Ewing... Are you cool if Darren Hanley signs Callum Robson, which has just happened? Like, these are these are things that the athletes have to weigh up, and I think that's where, like, you know, again, heaps of respect for Pizel on that whole setup because I think it would be a hard one. He's obviously getting hit hit up left, right, and center for sure. Yeah, well, I think that's something like we'll talk about a different surfboard story later in the episode, but like, I think one thing that this episode exposes is that that just wouldn't maybe even cross the minds of like everyday surfers. They're like, okay, yeah, these people make good boards. They design it well. They have good factories. Like they make quality surfboards, but it is a proper relationship. Like it is a full on, like two parties coming together, having to navigate things like jealousy, having to navigate, like, what if your batch is a little bit weird? What if, you know, the boards, how do you feed that back to the shaper? What if your boards are a little bit later than they're supposed to be? And you, have the suspicion that somebody else got theirs on time like it's there is i mean it's a it's a relationship that you have to properly manage like it's it's that's not a situation that many other people have but it's like a full like almost like a relationship with like a romantic partner like it's like you have to really invest in it mm. and the communication is huge and, and shapers they're all pretty funny in that they're all pretty similar and that they've got thick skin they want it straight they don't want any added stories on what you're chasing uh, and and they want feedback. The hardest thing for young surfers, you know, depending on where they've grown up and what their life looks like, but for most of the kids that I know, the hardest, like, breaking up with the shaper it brings them into adulthood. It's one of the hardest things they've ever got to do. And you see it happen a lot. Like a 17, 18-year-old might qualify for the world tour or, you know, maybe not that young, but you get what I'm saying. And then they go, oh... They start looking left and right and they go, oh, my hometown shaper now. Like he's got me here, but is he going to get me there? You see it happen all the time. And 
it is a really difficult thing to navigate. And I again, like getting back to Pizel, like it's it's a it's amazing that he's been able to keep that relationship with John the whole time because John would be difficult to work with. He's very particular about what he likes, and um, yeah, I, I I'd, I'd love to be a fly on the wall for some of those you know conversations in the shaping bay when the when the magic's going down because it, it takes a lot of effort. Yeah, yeah, it does, and it is, it is on that relationship level. It is so psychological too. Like there are, if you're not getting good results your boards might be fine, but you might go, oh shit, everybody's doing good on this board. Like I'm going it, to, it's like, I feel like people can't overlook that. Like there's always this looming thing of like, are my boards a hundred percent there? Like, am I, would I be better if I, that's why there's no money. Like it, like Geordie, like anyone, it's not money. If you had to pay seven fifty a board for every board in your year, and it's going to net you like whatever in return, you're going to do it. Like, you see how stoked Geordie was when he won that stab in the dark? He was so thankful to Pizel for the enjoyment that he got out of the board. Like, it was more than... He wasn't thinking like, oh, this board's going to take me to a world title. He was saying, thank you, John, for giving me the best board for the last two weeks I've had on this trip in the Mets and making it a pleasure to be on. Like, it, it was coming from a place of just pure enjoyment. Well, I think the fucked up thing is, too, like, there are situations like that where it's like, hey, Seven of Dark is a very obscure experiment. There's nobody else on the planet that gets to experience what our test pilots do. But I would imagine just if you're on that highest level, it's not like you can just pick a board up and be like, oh, no, Pizels are shit or DHs are shit. It's like you'd be like, oh, shit, this kind of works, and I'm sure if I worked with this person maybe i could develop something that is better for me than what i currently have like there's that looming it's not like you just pick it up and be like yes no it's like ooh, whoa this is like kind of going and then if i put the my energy here instead of here then all of a sudden i'm getting better results i'm surfing better i'm doing everything better so crazy episode it is and good good cast of characters and again like really good job to everyone behind the scenes at stab to get these guys and get them so candid like funny bunch the shapers so good seeing him on screen. Yeah, bit of controversy on it too. There's uh, Jack Freestone is not happy with how he's portrayed in it. Um, from our end, I know that we we had Shapers just saying that he was difficult to work with and interviewed him about that, and we had to clear to run it, but he wasn't happy with how it was portrayed. And yeah, bit of a weird one there. But w- what's your stance on that? Well, look, Jack's one of my best mates, and I I actually. Uh... You know, I've seen he's not stoked with how the episode rolled out and it's it's hard to really comment because you don't know what has been said to him about how it's going, you know, how it's going to look. And I know Sam and Todd and everyone, you know, making these things, they do give the surfers or at least they they do try to give them a, a right of reply uh, about, you know, what what's going to be said and how it's being said. Um, you know, I worked really close with Jack through those years and um, whether or not Jack was the best communicator or not, I think that DH and Pizel, they knew what they were working with and they were working with an extremely talented athlete who had the ability to sell a shitload of their product. Um, so whether or not he was like an A-plus communicator, he was a great advocate for both of their brands. And Yeah, yeah. Well, this is just a sheer anecdote, but any time I've dealt with him, he's been lovely. He's just been a wonderful person, but I never made him surf for us, so that's a, that's a difference, but... I mean, that, that relationship, I think maybe Sam and I talked about, there's there's something about them just like, 
they're like their friendship is just so you can sense it through the screen. You see their friendship, even though they're being interviewed in different parts of the world at different times. You're just like, it seems like they're two buddies having a beer together, even though it's just fully not <laughs> happening at that time. And, you know, I think on the Instagram clip, like introducing this episode, there's obviously some catchy little grabs that make you want to subscribe, which I hope you do. Keep us all in a job. But uh, I think Darren's referring to sending John Parzell a video of Freestone punching the fuck out of his board and sending it to John. Hate to break it to you, Darren, but Jack used to punch the fuck out of your boards too. And I've actually got a couple of them in my garage, which I treasure dearly. Um, Because win, (laughs) lose, or draw, I always had a really good time with Jack. (laughs) Wow. Somebody should have just got him a punching bag then. (laughs) I actually said once, hey, punch me, not your board. We're going to need that for the next one. (laughs) But fuck, man. Like, Jack was a young man on the road trying to figure himself out. And hey, everyone's got to blow off a bit of steam every now and again. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that whole bit, that's a small part of the episode. I get why Jack's upset. Like, he did, it was presented him saying, hey, people said this, are you okay with it? And we interviewed him. But I think I think maybe his point is just that he thought, he maybe assumed that it'd be in a place where, like, other people are mentioned too. He didn't, he felt singled out. He thought, oh, shit, I'm like, yeah, the only one mentioned here. He, I think maybe that's his point. But it's a small part of the episode. You still watch it, learn a lot. Stace, we're going to talk about surfboards again shortly, but we're going to get to some more stories and we're going to hear from some more people. Let's do that. How Kip Caddy got KO'd and tore his hamstring paddling an outer reef balmy. Stace, you and I could break this down or we could hear from Kip Caddy himself. Kind of an interesting name. Do you think he caddies for himself? Let's hear from him. Yeah, so... I, um, when I dropped into it, then that, obviously, that's when the incident happened, but I was, um, I black, I was blacked out for probably, like, must have been, like, four or five seconds, maybe a little longer, and, um, whilst that's happened, I guess, talking to the person who originally just did, did my ultrasound and was looking at it, they, um, they said that for for my injury to occur, my leg would have had to have gone, like, pulled above my head, so, whilst I've been, whilst I've been blacked out, it was the leg my arm leg rope was attached attached to so it's just like there's been no tension on the leg rope and then it's just been able to pull my leg up kind of like i don't know pulling a chicken wing out of a chicken <laughs> kind of vibe i guess it's getting t- torn apart like a hot chilt yeah pretty fast basically what happened <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. yeah it was interesting because like i wasn't obviously wasn't too concerned about that to start with i was like kind of came to and fought my way back into that consciousness and like used all my energy to get to the surface. I was pretty out of it and that's when the boys grabbed us. But um it was probably not probably not till I was about halfway in, I was like, oh my hamstring's kinda of pretty sore. And then it definitely really set in kind of that night and the next morning. Could you surf on the QS while getting a PhD? Indeed, you can. This is something that, in fact, human beings are capable of, Stace. Malu Kinimaka, the daughter of the great Titus Kinimaka, she is hammering the queue and getting a PhD. I have a feeling one has more promise in the future, but I respect her for pursuing both. Stace, you know Malu, don't you? I do, yeah. Uh, via Malia Manuel. I've met Malu a few times. Yeah. Absolute brain. Yeah, 
fucking weapon. She's one of those people, we mentioned Lob on the last podcast, one of those people that you're like, shit, you've just got a lot going. You know how some people are just like, they only have, they're, surfing is their only option. Uh, it's interesting when you meet people who are so clearly not like that. Uh, she very much fits that category. And we could hear from her. Let's hear a little, a little voice. Let's get her voice on the program, Stace. Let's hear from Malu. Going from Kauai, if you've ever been to Anahola, going from Anahola to going to Stanford is basically like <laughs> going from, it's like, a, what is that, Wizard of Oz? Uh, yeah, the movie The Wizard of Oz when Dorothy's like, we're not in Kansas anymore. Like, it's literally that. Um, it's like this super sleepy, small town, very rural, um, not much going on. So like going to a place where people next door to me, like my roommate or like my doormate down the hall um, would be like, hey, we just finished our solar car. We're going to go race it across the desert in the middle of California. Do you want to like come or... Another friend being like, hey, um, uh, if your code is running for this specific, like, rocket function, do you want to go, like, launch this rocket later? Or, like, uh, another friend being like, hey, like, I'm about to go compete in the Olympics for swimming. Like, do you want to come, like, watch, a, like, a warm-up race that I'm going to do? Like, so it's, like, crazy shit happening around you 24-7, mm-hmm. um, which is both, like, a huge privilege, but it also can be, like, quite stressful. Um, trying to determine like how best to like manage your time as well as like um, try to like define like who you are and what you want to be in that space. Mm -hmm. So um, I'd imagine for anybody, not even just somebody from Anahola, um, it would be like quite the transition to slide into. Um, So when I first went to Stanford, actually, and I really want people to know this in case anybody, any other kids have aspirations of going to, somewhere like a Stanford or a Harvard or like even just a regular college, like I actually really struggled. Um, it was really hard to adjust to the academic pace in the beginning. And it was, it was not an easy feat whatsoever. Yeah. Um, but I really learned very quickly um, how to like swallow my pride and like ask for help and build community um, with people that, also, I realized really quickly that it's like, oh, everybody needs help. <laughs> Everybody's struggling. This is overwhelming for everybody. Um, and so you really learn to kind of just let go of your, I guess it would be like your ego and like embrace other people around you. Mm. Um, and you kind of realize like what your talents are, what other people's talents are, and you can kind of like what you can bring to the table so that everybody can kind of like come up as a group, I guess. Um that's great. That was, yeah, yeah, that was really cool. And so I actually, I started, this is something I also want to clarify from the show too. I started in aerospace engineering mm-hmm. and then I thought it was ridiculous that we were spending billions of dollars to try to leave the only habitable planet that we're aware of and capable of accessing. Um, so then I ended up switching my major to something that's called um, atmosphere and energy engineering, mm. which is it's still a branch of aerospace engineering, but it has to do specifically with um, divining or uh, designing wind turbines. Who makes the best surfboards in 2023? Stace, look at us. We're back on surfboards. How do you feel? I feel good. Um, love shapers. Like they're so, I don't know, like, yeah, like you said earlier, it's the only thing that really matters. It's the only thing you need. 
Um, I asked Jack Robbo the other week about his new pro model and he, you know, I kind of foolishly asked, oh, what were you more excited about? A new pro model board or a new pro model board shorts? And to back up Britt Merrick from the How Serves Get Paid episode, uh, Jack quick-wittedly said, well, I don't need board shorts to surf. So I'm more excited about my <laughs> pro model board. And I was like, yeah, well, you are not wrong. That's true. Yeah. Um, He's on to something. Let's see it, Jackie boy. Uh, no, yeah, look, it's, yeah, I think the, the, the craziest thing, and we, Mikey and I talk about it a lot in the, the joy rides, is it's never been a better time to be a consumer of um, surfboards. Yeah, inflation, prices have gone up for sure. Not uh, disputing that, but the quality of them and the consistency is crazy. Like how often now do you hear, oh, this pro just went in and got one off the rack and won a heat or filmed a video part on it or whatever, kept it and copied it. You know what I mean? Like it's insane. So any one of the top five, if you said they were the best, like you could probably argue that they're, they're all doing great stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think with surfboards is only going to keep getting better because it's not like we lose the ability to produce what used to be made. Like, if you want to board like one that was written in the '80s, you just you people can still do that. They're still capable of it. So it only like you only get more and more options as time goes on. But how would you answer that question? Who do you think makes the best surfboards in 2023? Then we'll then we'll I'll tell you who how the 7,000 people that we asked that question to answered. But how would you answer it personally? Well, firstly, fuck you because I'm probably gonna have to walk past Darren Hanley, Jason Stevens, Brendan Leckie from Sharp Eye within the next week or so at home. Um, so cheers for putting me on the spot there. Good, um, I like it already. Ah, uh, yep. gee whiz. I-, I was lucky enough to get a heap of hand-me-down DHs and JSs in my time as a grom and a young adult and um oh, you fucked me here this is heavy <laughs> i did i got all you. right come on okay. on the record um, i always enjoyed parko's hand-me-downs like just stood on them and went far out these this thing just is glued to my feet so thank you joel thank you jason love you darren love you brendan can i still get boards off you please <laughs> <laughs> Oh. wow yeah. on the record that makes sense so i could see like in those uh parko hand-me-downs that's that's good so js guy interestingly our audience did not agree with you our audience so this is we've been breaking down the results of the stab reader survey this is a piece that does that i wrote it so shout out to me for being alive um just barely struggling at the moment send an invoice buck yeah <laughs> anyway Interesting here. So the favorite was Channel Islands, and then it was Lost, Pizel, and Sharpie. One thing that's fascinating is Italo's Stab in the Dark mirrored this. The four finalists were exactly the same, and the winner was also Channel Islands. So that's really interesting. I mean, I think it's more of a coincidence than anything else, but when I started digging into this, I was like, whoa, this that's pretty weird. I mean, maybe not a full not a full coincidence like they all those four people make really good surfboards but um it was just kind of funny how it all impacted exactly like that like i would i wouldn't have thought that it would go you know exactly the same way so interesting thing there it's sort of like not that surprising though like it's it's like this exponential growth factor like and the feedback that those guys are getting from their teams of men and women surfers like they're just 
like we said earlier about like getting on the tour if that's what your your thing is and, and you know making making boards for those events as like the best shaper in your country that maybe has never had that before um because if you were to jump on a team like sharp eye like Pizel who has john florence and tyler wright they're going for world titles like the feedback that you get from that it ultimately feeds back down to the consumer like i don't know it's 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 hard going like alex cruz is one of my best mates he makes great boards and you know i see him courting with pro junior surfers and the quantity that they're ordering and the feedback that he's getting from them like it's it's all good but it's just like to go to that next level is like it's really difficult and with those big players already on that level like it's shaping's a tough slog like it's it's really is and a, a lot of these boys they they're doing it for the love and yeah that's why you know that's why i'm such a big fan when i see all those heads on screen like i want to hear what they've got to say because i don't really think it's a coincidence like that those are the same top four like there's no doubt they know what they're doing they're oh they obviously know what they're doing but i just didn't think it'd mirror exactly um that is a really good point though i've always thought too because like i have a friend that has always made me boards this guy ajw and he makes really good stuff. shout out cam richards shout out cam well i think he's on merrick's now um but oh yeah he is he is <laughs> sorry brent power's gonna kill me <laughs> uh yeah apologize but it's it's just it is fascinating that like it's almost like you have to to even be perceived that somebody might pick you up at that level, like a like it's almost it's a weird kind of feedback or anti feedback loop where like you're not gonna get that feedback from you're not gonna have access to those people unless you're already there. It's like how do you even get there without like you almost have to like invest in a kid that does finally make the tour. You know, it's like because if otherwise a world champ, somebody going for the title isn't gonna randomly pick up like somebody like AJW's boards or. Alex Cruz boards like it's they make great boards but like and they could even make great boards for somebody at the highest level but unless they're perceived like that they might that that's just unlikely to ever materialize how we doing bro we're going off piste here and we've already given the Quicksilver Festival a massive rap and I, there's a lot of surf eyes here a lot of surf froth I want to hear what it's like through the eyes of one of New Jersey's greatest ever exports Miles Miles Fallon Miles welcome to the show Hi, thanks for having me, guys. We're going off piste. Yeah, thank you. How thank are you? you? It's been sick. Contest is crazy. Quicksilver Festival is, you know, it's like a crazy 80s rave right now kind of vibe with big waves. It's like a Jersey four foot, pretty mellow, but. Wow. Well, you are on the number one podcast for the number one surf podcast amongst the backcountry skiing community. I don't know if you knew that, but that's that's what we do here. I didn't know that. Um, so anything you want to say to that? Let's call it a tribe, that, that kind of tribe of individuals, the backcountry skiers. Respect. Yeah, to my back uh, backcountry skier tribe homies, like, yo, bless up, like, Shaka, it's lit. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, happy to have you on the program. Happy you're enjoying France. It's lovely to see you. I wish I could see you in person rather than on screen. I miss the big dick powder surfer, brother. <laughs> I know... Stace actually made me guess. He's like, somebody just called you that. Who was it? And I was like, okay, probably. I was going through some potential names, and we got to you. I think it was third try. <clears throat> Quickly, before you go, favorite surfer this week? Favorite surfer this week? Um, I mean, Al. Al's my favorite. Alan. Al, he's the Mexican gangster, bro. Plugged in with the cartel. It's lit. Yeah, he's the sickest. He is. That's my boy. 
Uh, he's gonna make you wear a chain. Yeah, bro. I I got like a little one, but I need a big chain like Al. Uh, he's gonna make you wear a chain. You're gonna come back. Like, I need a chain like Al. Yeah, for real, dude. Fuck. He's a good ass dude, though. Fucking really sick. So yeah, he's been ripping it though, and I think his vibes are all time. Ah, uh, thank you, Miles. And uh, on that, Al Cleland Jr. first surfer to miss his heat in the event this morning. Uh, him and Clay Miles were sitting second on the leaderboard. Uh, then when he did show up for his heat. He pulled into a sick pit, spat out 7-5. Thanks for coming. So, Al, look out. Oh, my God. That is incredible. I'm surprised that only one server has missed their heat so far. Basically, from what I'm hearing, uh, there should be a lot of missed heats, a lot of late starts, maybe. I am currently visiting the United States of America, as many people dream to do. Now, last Sunday, I was conversing with a group of people about dog food. One of them suggested that manufacturers put dog meat into the kibble because dogs crave it. He then suggested that McDonald's employs the same technique by putting human meat into their burgers, which apparently we humans find addicting. Rather than engage, the rest of the group shifted the conversation towards whether or not the sun would break through the seemingly impenetrable layer of clouds. It did not, and later that day, we all went to a baseball game. Fringe has created the world's first protein bar made specifically for surfers. It is fully plant-based, gluten-free, has 15 grams of protein, zero grams of added sugar, is made with real all-natural ingredients, contains adaptogenic mushrooms, and is 100% guaranteed to not contain any human meat. Head on over to fringefoodco.com now and use code STAB to take 15% off your first order of Fringe Bars. They're available in 12 packs of chocolate almond butter, coconut cashew, mango hemp, or a variety pack with all three flavors. Again, that is code STAB to get 15% off your first order. Don't do the cannibalism. Stace, we're going to hear from the original sinner in a little bit. But before we get there, let's talk about, as we know, it is not only a backcountry skiing surf podcast, it is also a Challenger Series podcast. So, Ribera Dilyash coming up. Who you got? Who's taking it out? I got my pick. I heard the forecast is looking kind of small. Um, I also heard... Doesn't look bad. Okay, thanks for that. I'm still going to go with Jet Schilling, though. Uh, Coach Griffin Whoa. is on deck. Uh, and I think the jet is uh, is going to do pretty well. So that's my pick in the men's. On the women's, um, it's tight for like who's going to get in that last like fifth and fourth spot. Um, Alyssa Spencer's due. Wow, Alyssa Spencer, a backhand, getting it done at Ribby. I picked two goofy footers. You should love me. I know. Wow, I, I missed that connection. You got jet too. Um I think I claimed it on here. I had to pick a random QS warrior or CS warrior at some point in some segment of this program months ago. Uh, Jorgen. Oh, he's due. Jorgen Cousine. He's fucking due. He serves good. I think he's... I don't think people realize. If you see him serve in person, he's very just strong and powerful. It will... You mentioned the forecast before. The start looks fun. What I'm worried about is they like to finish on weekends. The weekend looks shit. The weekend, things could change, but right now, that uh, weekend, like the 7th, 8th, which they try to, we didn't know what they do. They try to get the most, there's a bunch of tourism money there. They want people to have like a nice Saturday, Sunday and watch the thing. Interesting to see how they play it because it's like, looks like it's head high for a few days and then just starts to drop off. The wind doesn't look too bad, which is nice, but 
if it goes shit, I think that pick is going to be horrific. But if it's proper swell, if they end when it's still like head high, I'm going Jorgen. And a lady? Stace, I'm so happy you asked. I'm going with the local. I'm going with Teresa. Local knowledge. She's going to get out there. So I'm going goofy too, but just go, I'm fucking Euroforce right now. Jorgon and Teresa. Anything else? Any other predictions about who's going to be on tour next year? Just I know we have this and we have Brazil, so we're we're approaching the end. Anything can still happen. People can win an event, skyrocket up the ratings. Any low dogs you think are going to jump up? Let's say that's a fun question. Um, I've been hanging out with Huey Vaughn a lot this week, and so it's a bit of a quick silver pick. I'm going to go with his brother, Joel. Pleasure to be around. Great kid, great surfer. Wish him all the best. So I think, you know, he could maybe walk away the, the result this week. I certainly hope he does. Wow. I back, I'm not even going to spit another one out there because especially working with him on Stab Highway, he was just, he's such a lovely kid. And Huey, everybody's got to meet him at Stab High and Indo. He's so talented. And even seeing what he's doing, like he did the same thing at Stab High. People were like, oh shit, this is kind of a small child and the waves are really big and going to be hard for him to do errors. And then it's just doing, hitting the biggest sections and like stomping shit. It looks like he's doing the same thing in France. It's like, oh, wow, the ocean just... He had a good one the other day. He ran up the beach, like he swapped out for Coco just for like one heat. And then he ran up the beach and he's he's 17. Like he's driving us around and stuff. It's epic. Uh, but he's like, the commentator was like, big round of applause, everybody. 14-year-old Huey Vaughn. <laughs> Oh, it's so good. But yeah, he's, he definitely is he's such a, both of the kids, man. They're, yeah, lovely, lovely, lovely. Yeah, fellas. yeah. So I back Joel. Uh, I'm going to throw out Baski, Nadia, Aristabi for the women's one to, to climb oh. the rating. So that's, I'm going to throw that one out there. The Basque backhand attack yeah. in full yeah. display. Throwing like that it. one out there as a, as a last minute qualifier. Not even mm. last minute, just somebody. Fuck, the, it is hard to qualify for the women's tour. I mean, having five slots against there's so many there's so many good surfers i was tripping i mentioned it on the podcast before but like when there's a qs 3000 in the town where i live just how many people who had had just shit stickers on their boards and were random i'd never seen them before just like going vert every turn i was like holy shit it would be so hard to surf against three of them eight times just to make the challenger to do the same thing at a higher it's like fucked five slots is hectic so anyway, we will keep you posted on that. That starts October 1st, runs until that 7th, 8th weekend. Let's see what the forecast does. Like I said, drops off quickly. So shout out WSL, see what, see what you guys do there. <laughs> Let's hear from a surf sin. Yeah, g'day guys. Today I'm confessing to the original surf sin in a cold-blooded borderline sociopathic unthoughtful act i dropped in on my mate it was a perfect four to six foot day he was deep taking off on one of the sets of the day i was down the line and all i can remember is thinking he's way too deep and then subconsciously my arm started to paddle i got to my feet shoulder hopped cruelty's his chance at one of the best barrels of his life and popped out down the end with my tail between my legs and a bucket full of regret I don't know what happened. I've apologized profusely. I've given him waves in further sessions. I don't know. I'm a clean skin. I've got no record of this sort of behavior. Uh, normally I'm the one giving waves away to boogers and goat boaters. So I don't know how to help this. I feel so bad. If you can help me guys, that'd be great. Ah!
Oh, wow. That's, um, breakfast would have been awkward that morning after that surf. Gee whiz. It's crazy that we haven't had this sin before. This is literally the original sin. He says it, but let's like, this is the first thing that anybody ever did wrong in surfing. And nobody, we've had the weirdest shit confessed. And nobody has just been like, hey, like I cooked my friend on a good one. You can tell like sometimes we have centers where it's like, there's little cues that like they don't know surfing that well. I'm getting the opposite from him. I'm getting like, he's a good surfer. So are his friends. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Am I tripping on that? Like, you know, you can just tell. No, I I actually can picture the wave. When he's describing it, I can picture it. Like, yeah, you could just. It sounds like a wave at home, like a right hand tube that's like, you kind of like, if you looked once, you'd think they weren't going to make it, but you probably should look twice and he probably didn't look twice and uh, you see it happen at Kira every wave of every swell but the fact that he did it to his mate <laughs> <laughs> it is and like I've had like I when your friend cooks you like there's sometimes where somebody just takes off in front of you it's fun it's whatever but like when it's an actual good wave and I have been cooked by by a friend before it is, it really does stick with me like it's not somebody can drop in on you and it's like a joke but if you get dropped in on by your friend by on a good wave, like it's, I rarely get angry in the water, but I feel like I've gotten angry because you're on an actual good wave that somebody proper ruins for you. It sounds like that's what happened here. It is. It's literally the original sin, Burning Man. This guy is yeah. Burning Man, and he is, is Burning the original Man. Sin. It is. Just just to clarify, like I don't think it's a big issue, like if you burn someone shoulder to shoulder. Uh, it's an issue like it's not great and i, I wouldn't condone yeah. it but there's a certain level of physicality there where you if you're on the inside you could sort of make a decision to okay this guy's obviously got his blinkers on uh, i could pull back but burning someone who's already committed to the wave and is in a potential to get like the wave of the day or the wave of their life yeah that's yeah, yeah. They've literally spent like 10,000 hours in the water to just have that moment align and it yeah, is yeah, finally yeah. aligning and you are ruining it for them. Uh, so yes. shout out to Burning Man. I feel like he might actually feel bad sometimes. Like, oh, this is a funny story. I feel like this guy actually does think about this and feels bad. Hmm. Uh, it's a tough one to prescribe a penance to. What do you got? I, I kind of got it. This I actually hadn't thought about this, but it came to me just then actually. It's pretty simple. Like... Got to reverse the role. And I just want you to straighten out. Like you're in the slot for wave of the day at like, let's say it's dream it up. It's HTs. Perfect right. Got the roll in. It's four to six feet, but then like a proper six footer comes through and you're in the spot. And I just want you to just straighten out. Wow. And better yet, call your mate in. Like say go but you still have to commit to the wave and get dragged across the reef or get washed in and do a run around or like whatever. If you could document that, that would be sick. If you get that on film, I'd love to see it. It would look so funny. I like mean, almost pretend they have priority, but you don't have rashes on <laughs> and you have to like get out of the wave. You can't surf around him because you get interference if you do that these days. Yeah. You have to like, you have to fully <laughs> straighten out <laughs> and just dry dock yourself. <laughs> Uh, that would be good. That would be entertaining. And hey, to our point earlier, you wouldn't need that on a webcast. Just show me it happening once and I'm good. You don't need somebody waiting eight hours to, to show it to you. Um, I was originally toying with he should go to Burning Man because he is Burning Man. No, I don't like that anymore. Um, and so it's there's something almost like it is the original sin. So it's almost like I don't want to 
come out with like an overly complex pendant. It's so just almost primal that I can't help but I'm going to borrow from Duke Hanamoku here. And he had a quote where he just said, just take your time, wave comes, let the other guys go, catch another one. It's not even a once thing. It's He has to just kind of live by Duke's words. He just has to live like that. I think it is It's something refreshing about this person who is one of the most influential people in our the history of our sport who just had that perspective on it. I feel like that perspective is kind of rare now. Um, and I think the only way, it's just I have to go simple. I have to go almost biblical, like just very clear. And so, hey, that's the original sin. Original kind of healing thing is just to enjoy surfing and to sometimes let other people go. Don't stress on it. So we're going to Burning Man, take ketamine and fucking end up like uh, at like Barrick at in the Anglet queue, just in the K-hole. <laughs> no need for that. Uh, Buck, it has been a great time catching up with you. I'm having a great time with all your friends uh, in your part of the world. Damn it. And uh, tomorrow's the last day of the comp. It's a twin fin edition. Swell's going to drop off a little bit, but I actually don't know if that's even possible at the moment. It's still six foot on dark at La Gravier just before. Uh, sorry to rub that in. Uh, and uh, yeah, I guess I'll just uh, keep you posted. Episode three should be up. Yeah. By the time you wake up, my friend. Wow. Good stuff, Stace. Lovely chatting with you. Um, I'm sure it'll be a very tranquil weekend ending in France. I'm sure, you know, some early, maybe some restorative yoga practices in the morning. So enjoy that. Um, May your chakras be aligned and let's do this again soon. That is all we have for you folks. Yeah, Mikey will be back next week with a new face and I hope to talk this day again soon he is lovely and i wish him well this weekend in france do your best to stay alive